Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode. Mark, I think we must be into double figures now of uh, La Piedra, our podcast, which is here to discuss all things Spanish property related. With me, I have Mark Stucklin, who's um, Spanish property inside, who's the go-to guy for all things stats and market reports and analysis. I'm Sean Woolley, Managing Director of Cloud9 Spain. We're a real estate company down here on the Costa del Sol. So between us, we, we look at the stats, we look at the what the the official figures are telling us, and then we look at what's actually happening on the ground and whether the two align. Mark, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Sean. Good to see Excellent. you again after the summer. Yeah, and, and you, sir, and you. And today we're going to be talking about the latest stats that have that have come out, which should give us some uh, well, a little overview of what's happening with the market, whether it's cooling down or warming up. And then we're also going to be talking about a, a hot topic at the moment, which is the topic of branded residences, which is um, seems to be all over Marbella at the moment, certainly. So be, be happy to talk about that because it's something that we're getting asked about all the time by clients. And obviously, we're, we're dealing with about four or five different products down here that are affiliated with a with a worldwide brand. So it's, it'd be good to, to touch on that. So Let's start off, Mark. What are the figures telling us about the, the market? What's been happening so far this year? So with the latest MITMA data, uh, it's quite interesting to see what's going on. So here we have it for all sales were down. So that's the entire Spanish market in terms of volume of sales was down 14% in the mm -hmm. second quarter. And so fourteen. That followed, so that's that. That's down on what on the same time last year or the previous quarter? It's all. All I'm going to talk about is uh, year on year. Okay. Okay, so annualized. So 14% yep. down to to a total of 170,000 sales, mm -hmm. uh, which was 14% lower than the same time last year. Now, how does that break down into segments? First of all, the so let's have the foreign, the overall foreign market. So that's everyone, every sale that involved a foreign buyer. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that me, you know, they're so I don't know that without going into the details of how they actually deal with like companies buying properties and people with dual nationality. But anyway, I guess it's whatever's on the escritura where the buyer was not, it does not, is not a, a Spanish uh, national. Sure. And so uh, foreign sales were down 9% mm -hmm. um, on the same time last year in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a little bit more than in the first quarter. I haven't got the um, Q1 figures. Uh, we can go and look at them a bit. Uh, I can bring them up a bit later. But, the, you know, the, the downward trend is accelerating. It is, mm -hmm. But it's not particularly steep, but it's definitely accelerating. And But whilst I'm talking about all of this, always bear in mind that we're talking about compared to like a, a, an amazingly buoyant market last year. Mm -hmm. So 9% down on last year is actually... I think the second best quarter on record. So it sounds like it's down, but it's only relative to an exceptional year. It's actually much better than most normal years before the pandemic. So, Mark, what are the what are yeah. the figures like for um, traditional foreigner buyer hotspots? So places like Costa del Sol, Costa Blanca, Costa Calida, maybe the Balearics and the the, the Canaries. Is there any pattern emerging from from those those markets, particularly with foreign buyers? But I can tell you the overall picture is the same, which is okay. more or less uh, declining compared to last year, but yeah. still uh, very, very strong, a very healthy by any of the standards of any year before the pandemic, 
I think this, this, the best year um, compared to any year before the pandemic, or or one of the best. So not so a decline compared to last year, but not not at all bad. The, the figures okay. that's the overall picture from most areas. There'll be mm -hmm. there'll be exceptions like the Balearics are having a problem, but that's a different story. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and you know because local politics and local politicians can impact, can act, uh, do damage, and can have an, an mm. impact on how the region is seen from abroad. And they send a signal if they win the Balearics that up until recent local elections they've been sending a signal: we don't want you here, go away, we hate you. People picked up on that signal, you know, and we're going to tax yeah. you to death. I mean, that, that wasn't um, <laughs> well, not I re retract that. that you know, and some of the highest taxes on property purchase. When you put it all together, people kind of respond to that. Um, so, in, so in 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 terms of the fit the, the buying figures, then if we combine obviously national buyers and, and international buyers, so the general trend is is down. Are there any anomalies amongst that? Murcia up thirteen percent. Everyone's doing relative, like I said, relatively well compared to previous years, except for last year. Um, yeah, but but Murcia has been doing particularly well. I think Murcia. I mean, I know Murcia very well, and I I think it's because there's a huge amount of land there. The land is still relatively cheap. So there's still room to expand. If you look at the more sort of predominantly coastal areas like Costa Blanca and the Costa del Sol, for instance, the, we're just running out of land. So everything is kind of going up in price. Whereas I think in Murcia, there's still genuine value. And by that, I mean the the old, even 20 years ago, that when the budget was still 100,000 for a holiday home, you can still get that in, um, in, in the Murcia region. So a lot of people mm -hmm. are attracted to that. And I think that portion of the market is drawn there because they're priced out of other of other areas. So it doesn't surprise me that that market is is still on the rise. And I think I think you're right what you said to you know to counter these figures is to look at the fact that we're looking at annualized figures, we're looking at you know comparables to last year and last year was so exceptional in terms of of you know all the all the all the uh, traditional sort of foreign buyer markets were well, they just exploded, didn't they? And I think that was because we were still servicing the the post-COVID interest. People were able to travel again and they were able to buy. And I think, you know, COVID, I know I go on about it a lot, but I think it did change a lot of people's perceptions of how they live their life and how they can live their life now. And obviously one of the main things is that a lot of people who are well-moneyed can now work from home and they now trust their staff uh, to self-manage or they realize that they can spend more time abroad and then hop it back on a plane to, to maybe their, their, their business base. But they can provide their families with a much better quality of life in, um, in the Mediterranean basin. So I think, I think we, we saw that last year, that glut of people who wanted that better life. And I think that still continued this year. I mean, our figures are really strong. We are doing as well, if not slightly better, than we did last year. So whether that's just worthy anomaly, I, I don't know. But I've also spoken to other agents here who are a little light on on new inquiries, a little light on on things coming through the door. So that doesn't surprise me because I think the the overall demand might be falling a little bit. But like you said, that's not a bad thing because we're comparing it to a um, a peak a peak year last year. And I, I think if we looked at the figures of like you said, this the second quarter just gone is the second best second quarter on record, I think, which is it's fantastic. So although we're down from the record, we're still in a very, very healthy position, I think. So it's it's incredible how you interpret these figures, because of course the headline could be Spanish property market for overseas buyers is down by 20% and everyone goes, well, I'm not buying in Spain because no one else is buying. But of course, there's still hundreds of thousands of people buying. Uh, and that's the, 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 the key takeaway, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to give you
you, I mean, I agree, you know, absolutely agree with all you say. I was interesting to hear you say you're doing better than last year, because uh, I'll, because then we'll bring it right down to the local level on your, on your patch mm. in, in, in a second, just to wrap up here, you know, the, um, the, the national story is that, so it's down 40%, the, the foreign demand down 9%, expat demand down by 5%. So expats, people living in Spain, buying a, a non-foreigners buying a, a property in Spain. Yeah. And then what I call second home buyers, are foreign non-residents, so people who are not resident in Spain buying a property. So it's not, at the time of purchase, it's not their main home because they yeah. don't even, they're not even resident in Spain. But many, I know that many people do that to buy, are buying a home today that may be a second home today, but in the future they plan to retire here or use it as a primary residence. And um, that was down 30% last year's boom, where second home buyers are falling more than may another main home or or a second home so there's that cl clearly that and and the spanish are down much more than the than the um so the spanish demand stands 16 percent so much stronger the, the spanish fall is much bigger than the foreign fall and why do you and why do you think that is once again it's down only compared to last year and secondly you know foreign markets more diversified some go up some go down but there's always someone from somewhere is, um, is buying and the Spanish market obviously does not diversified in that way. And I think that the problems with the rising interest rates and the economy, you know, then Spain's got, uh, who, who hasn't got a cost of living crisis and struggling with these um, different forces. The Spanish economy has its problems and they're just dealing with it. But it's, once again, it's not so bad compared to any year other than last year. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Shall we move on to um, our second topic of the day, branded residences? Well, just before we do, let me give you. Yeah. Before we do that, let me just give you a, a, a quick. Um, a oh quick, yes, um, the local. The very local data on sales hmm. are in your area, so the West Costa del Sol, um, where we have um, Marbella as usual, the biggest market by far, with one thousand two hundred eighty-eight home sale home sales recorded in the. Uh, in Q2, um, followed by Mijas and Estepona going down to Casa, uh, Casares. Is it Casares or Casares? I never know. Casares, yeah. Casares, okay. And um, then, so Manilva was the only, Manilva and um, uh, Casares were up compared to last year. 12% and 7% respectively, but then mm -hmm. everyone else was heavily down. So 16% below last year in Fuengirola, Mijas was 23% down, Marbella was 26% down. So, but you said earlier that you, your, your figures are actually up. Um, yeah. So despite the 25% decline, which is more than, you know, the national average, um, then you're actually, uh, you're up on last year. So What's yeah, going weird. on there? I know. What, what, what about what was the figure for Estepona and for Ben Avis? Estepona was down 35% and Ben Avis was down 26%. Okay. Really interesting, isn't it? Because I would have expected Estepona to, to, to actually have less of a decline. Um, but I suppose mm -hmm. when you compare, and this is what we have to come back to all the time with these figures, is we're comparing them to last year. And mm -hmm. last year, you know, those areas were thinking back now, those, those areas were a lot of, a lot of sales activity. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe, maybe we just didn't have our fair share of the, the action last year. 
<laughs> you know, you were so, really slow out of the blocks. Yeah, maybe maybe we just didn't get our, our cut of the uh, of the action, and and this year we have. So I I, I yeah. don't know. I, it, it's really interesting because we we felt as busy, if not busier, in quarter two, and quarter two. Yeah, you know, looking at the figures from last year, we we were in a healthier position and did did better than we did last year. So. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing with the amount of agents in the uh, in the in the territories here that some would have had good results, some would have had bad results. You know, there's over I think there's over 2000 of us, which is a crazy number. And I think, you know, a 20 percent, 30 percent drop off in demand and in sales. But I think it will cause some pain for agents because, you know, we're all very happy sharing the market. But obviously, if you're reliant on one or two deals a year to survive and all of a sudden you're down to zero deals a year then you're out of business um so yeah. i th- i think what we'll see is a it's a changing real estate market in that i think we're going to lose some some people from it people who aren't um set up with their marketing and can't can't adapt quickly to a to a changing market i think we'll lose some of those maybe those one-man bands because mm-hmm. a 20 you know we can survive a 20 percent drop-off that's not an issue for us. I'd rather we didn't have to, but it's not an issue for mm-hmm. us. The smaller one-man bands and people who rely on that very small volume of deals to, to get by, they're going to struggle. Um, Hand to mouth. Yeah, and, and I think then we'll see a, a situation with the stronger real estate companies almost consolidating and, and maybe swallowing up those, those very good salespeople who've decided to go out on their own. And then we'll see a smaller mm-hmm. number of, of agencies. Um, but let's see. Let's see where it, where it heads. Absolutely. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, I, I was just what, looking at the Q2 figures last year. And so, you know, take Marbella uh, down 20 percent, 26 percent this year. But up last year at the same time, it was up 61 percent. So, you know, it's, it's all relative. I mean, it, it's not it, down to zero. It's, it's just down to <laughs> kind of like a normal level. Um, okay, let's let's move on to branded residences. It's a it's yeah. a hot topic. I was quoted recently in a Sunday Times article written by Zoe Darehall, which was lovely, and she wanted my my opinion and thoughts on is it something that people are buying? Is it catching a lot of of attention? Before I give my two penneth, what are what are your thoughts, Mark? Is it is it a welcome addition to to the products on offer? Well, I'm you know I'm not a um, I'm not a brand victim on the whole. I don't buy anything. You know, I don't buy them. Well, certainly when it comes to the kind of brown brands that are showing up in the real estate sector, which are kind of clothing brands and car brands, um, I'm not very brand driven. So it's kind of a bit of a mystery for me. I mean, I would never buy at a place based on its on some sort of brand uh, link up. So I'd go on completely other. And I'm sure people who do buy, they're also looking at location and price and fixtures, of the, you know, not just the brand name. Um, that is associated with it, um, but it, so it's a, it comes. It's it's a bit of a mystery to me. Yeah, you're probably not the target market then, because you're not a brand disciple. You wouldn't go to the ends of the earth to buy a Dolce & Gabbana house. No. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> not to the ends of the earth. Fabulous. But I, mean, I would buy it. I mean, I don't. You know, Dolce & Gabbana. From what I know, it's not. I'm not their target market anyway. What the experts say is that. A branded, well, a brand attached to a residence can increase the value of that residence mm-hmm. by about, thir- well, by up to 30%. So the question is, would you, would you pay 30% more to have a, a, a house that's branded by Dolce & Gabbana or a house that's unbranded? 
Branded residences, you know, they're, they're not new. Uh, it's something that's been being done before. Over the last sort of ten years, we've seen more and more of them being being released, predominantly in places like London, Miami, and Dubai. And Marbella is kind of the next in line, really. And a lot of people are surprised that it's taken so long for these partnerships to emerge uh, on the Costa del Sol. And what we've seen so far is we've seen collaborations with um, developers and um, design companies like Fendi Casa, uh, Karl Lagerfeld, Dolce & Gabbana, Missoni, Lamborghini. So yeah, there's quite a few of them now entering the fray. And as you say, most of them are, are predominantly clothing brands that have become worldwide brands in terms of, of fashion and homeware. And then there's also the ones that are kind of outside of that, a bit like the car makers, like Lamborghini, which design fabulous cars. Uh, and the, the Lamborghini design sort of studio have, have also had a had a say in uh, in a project here. So there's varying degrees of involvement with the with the brands. I know that uh, they recently had the launch of the Design Hills by Dolce & Gabbana um, on the on the Golden Mile, the Sierra, well near Sierra Blanca in um, in Marbella. And the guys from Dolce Gabbana, I think, I think Domenico Dolce turned up along with his um, design people, and you know gave a speech, and and they're very much involved in that project from the inception to to the whole design build through. I mean, you know, the prices reflect it, but it's nice to see that they're actually personally and humanly involved in that in that whole process. Whereas some of these residences, you get a feeling that maybe it's just a badge that they're sticking on. To the side of a house and you know how much kind of brand equity do you get in return for your investment and i think along with the the fundamentals like location and and value i think that is a really important thing for buyers to 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 bear in mind you know one thing i would be questioning if i were in the market for a branded residence is okay who's you know who's the brand do, do i feel comfortable with that do i have some synergy with that do i respect it do i like it would i wear their clothes would i wear, buy their perfume and also, what what part have they played? What you know? Are they just designing a wall covering or sticking a mirror in that they've designed, or are they actually involved in the architecture of the building? Are they are they happy to to put their their name and their face to this thing, or is it just a a money maker? You know what I mean? So all mm-hmm. those questions are really important. I guess if it was a a, a kind of a, a brand that related to my lifestyle or, or identified with that I would have a different opinion. I, I can't say, um, you know, it, it's just Dodger Gavana. No, I wouldn't buy their clothes. I've got nothing against them. I just know that they, they don't want me in their shop. I, I doubt um, just because, you know, their target, I'm not their target. And yeah. so, but if it was, I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know, um, Monte Cristo, <laughs> then, you know, a Monte Cristo branded, um, homes on the Costa Sol that I might be interested. What you're saying is there's clearly an, a premium. Absolutely. And I, I think what's interesting is that each of these brands does have a following. So Monte Cristo would be, you know, you'd be the, you'd be the, 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 the target market. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For, for me, I mean, I'm wearing a, a Ralph Lauren shirt. Mm-hmm. Now, again, and it goes back to, to what does a brand mean? I mean, is, is this... Is this a Dolce? Sorry, is this a, a, a Ralph Lauren shirt, or is it just a shirt that's made in Bangladesh with a Ralph Lauren badge? And, and what yeah. does it, you know, what does it actually mean? It's like an Armani T-shirt. Is it a T-shirt with Armani on, or is it an Armani design T-shirt? Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, we can have those debates forever because that's a separate, a separate thing. But I think what what each brand does have is it has a following. It has what I call disciples, who mm-hmm. okay, they might not go to the ends of the earth, but they, you know, they might have, for instance, a Lamborghini car, and they think. 
I love my Lamborghini car. I would love to have a house that's also designed by Lamborghini engineers. Mm-hmm. Dolce & Gabbana, they might have a wardrobe full of Dolce & Gabbana. Um, they might have handbags, jewellery, perfume. And they think, yeah, I- I'd be interested in that. So I think what it does is it, it, it provides you with, a, you know, for these, these developers, it provides you with a ready-made buyer base. And indeed, mm-hmm. what they do at these launches, we don't get invited. Well, I wasn't invited to the Dolce & Gabbana Design Hills launch. I'm far too unimportant <laughs> to, get, to get on the yeah. guest list. But what they did have there was they had all the press and they had um, specially invited clients of Dolce & Gabbana. So what does that tell you? You know, if they can sell 20 or 30 units to, to their customer base, then they're off to a flying start, aren't they? So I think those, those clients that are their disciples understand the, the brand value. They understand the, you know, that the, there's a, a decent amount of brand equity going into their investments, and they're happy to pay that, that premium. Me and you, you know, old me and you, you know, Mr. Mr. Grumpier, Mr. Grumpier, um, <laughs> who, who would never go shopping in Dolce & Gabbana, it means nothing. But we're not the buyers, are we? Yeah. We're not. We're not the target market, like you said. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I need to. That, that's why it's helpful to discuss it because I need to put, a, you know, change my mindset. Because well, if you just uh, up front ask me, would I pay thirty percent more to buy the Dolce Gabbana? Like, no, mm. uh, I don't really understand why. But I can see now, as you say, there's disciples, there's people who love those brands. Um, it's a way to get uh, to get the, you know, in terms of marketing, you can bring a Dolce Gabbana development in, on the Costa Sol to, uh, to the attention of people who are interested in Dolce Gabbana in ways that rather than just like, you know, advertising in the uh, in sort of, you know, shotgun advertising. No, it's very targeted. Yeah, ab- um, absolutely. Dolce and Gabbana it, presumably have... Yeah, and it's, it's the whole thing about branding is, is really interesting, isn't it? It's, it's like, you know, if someone launched a, a you know, Homes by, by Ralph Lauren, I would be more interested because I own stuff by ralph lauren originally uh, 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 you know already so but doesn't he also do interior I mean, well yeah he does he it does. doesn't ralph lauren they certainly have this kind of um or maybe that's a manga set you know this sort of long island yeah, uh, yeah. american chic feel and they're, they're certainly their advertising communicates i've always thought that maybe they do so at least some sort of soft furnishings oh they do um, they have a, a big a big homeware section is it's a big part oh. of their business but the, the thing right. is i mean you know this is a natural kind of alliance isn't it because if you imagine how many stores there are worldwide if you imagine the website of all these these companies how many people have been through a a Ralph Lauren store in the world in the last 10 years. I mean, if you imagine the data that they've, that they've got, mm-hmm. um, yep. and, and as I say, if you're, if you're willing to pay another, I don't know, $50 for a shirt with this logo on, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's probably more than 30% of this mm-hmm. shirt without the logo. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, I'm talking myself into this, this brand thing, aren't I? And we, I think we all do it to a certain extent. You know, we, we all like nice things and we probably like to show off to our friends and family that we can, you know, we're at a stage of our lives and maybe affordability that we can afford that sort of nice mm. thing, whether it's a car or a house or a shirt or something like that. But actually, fundamentally, this, as I said, this is the same shirt that yeah. they probably, they probably sell in Primark. It probably isn't, but, you know, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's how far, what value does that brand give you? What equity does that brand give you? I think the, the biggest challenge for these developers is obviously these things work. If you're going to buy a one-bed apartment with, you know, indulging about a design hills for nearly 3 million euros, that probably works because of where it is. It's in a prime position on the Golden Mile, next to Karl Lagerfeld, next to Epic by Fendi Casa. So you're in that kind of design village. But if you put 
a Dolce & Gabbana residence in the middle of a field up in um, the middle of nowhere, then are people going to buy that? Are, would people be wise to buy that? You know, so yeah. you've got the you've got the brand value, but then you've also got to fill the other, you know, tick the other boxes, haven't you? It's got to be, yeah. uh, you know, if you're if you're a five star brand and you're you're charging three million euros for a one bed apartment, you can't be in the middle of a field in Garcin. You know, you've 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 got, <laughs> it's got to be a five star location. Absolutely, and it's I, got to tick all the other five star boxes yeah. as well. I think it's fair to say that none of these, in none of these cases, is the brand the developer, right? They're ne- they're exactly. just um, they're just yeah. lending their name and, uh, greater or less extent, depending on the case, more or or, or less involvement in the in the yeah. design process. But they're never doing the developer's role, which is finding the plot, getting the financing, specifying the product, like the actual uh, t- town planning issues and all of that. They, they don't get involved in that at all, right? They're not developers. No, not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think the, the, the challenge for these developers in tandem with the brands will be when they start building these five-star priced properties in four-star locations. Because mm-hmm. then it's, it's kind of then, will the public go with that? Will the public say, I love your brand so much and I love the design so much and I love the fact I've got a, a Missoni wall covering or a, a Lamborghini-inspired swimming pool. But actually, look around me. I'm not a not, you know. And that's going to be the test. I think it's all very well Absolutely. selling selling in the five star areas a five star product with a five star price tag because that people will go, okay, tick tick tick, yeah, I'll do it. And then you know, you're 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 you know, you've got a nice whatever it is, a Dolce Gabbana or Fendi Casa home that you can resell with that that premium. But when you're in a four star or even the three star location, you're not going to have the fundamentals in place. So I think for buyers, they just need to be careful. If they're going to do this and go with a brand and, and we're promoting them all is is where is it does it tick all those those fundamentals that you would want ticked if you were buying any old place anyway and secondly how much of the brand equity are you getting you know is it someone that's just going to paint a wall in a in a color that's associated with the brand is it two mirrors is it a swimming pool design or is it someone who's who's really going to oversee the whole project and, and give you their their brand heart and soul uh, that would appeal to me the ones i've mentioned just before that wouldn't so much yeah well the, how much brand identity is there in the product in, mm. in and it's we're really talking about interior design we're not talking about um build or, or the floor plans or anything yeah. it's more presumably that's what the developer does or maybe in consultation but i guess so some brands will add more value in the design than others where and and some will just say well use my name and and i'll give you some i mean a marketing help or you know access to a database and kind of leave it at that and, and yeah. i presume the fees differ accordingly because so how do people know how would the clients know how much brand equity involvement or identity is involved in it when they look at these branded residents i mean you may know I mean, someone someone knows but how do clients find out about this i think you've got to do your research Whether it's just and, a badge or yeah. I mean, I, I looked through the specifications of a development and I won't name it because I don't want to be unfair to them, but I was waiting to see the mentions and the design of all of the, of the brand. And it was like a mirror in the bathroom, a wall covering in the lounge, a wall covering in the bedroom. And okay. it was kind of, it's kind of like, wow. But their, their name was, was tagged onto this, this development. And that really disappointed me. So I think people have got to do the research and they've got to be guided by people like us, really, to, to say, look, in our opinion, you're getting a lot of the brand here. Okay, you're paying a big, big premium. But I mean, for instance, Dolce & Gabbana, I know I keep referring to them, but this is a, this is a, a branded residence done well, I think, because 
what they're going to have is they're going to have a public section outside of the main resort, which will have a little shopping mall, designer shopping mall. It will have, uh, I think, a, a Dolce Gabbana beauty salon, which I think will be the first in Europe. It will have a, a Dolce Gabbana martini bar. That's great. That's fantastic because these are, you know, what they're doing is they're creating a destination, a world-class five-star destination, and your home is going to be a part of this. You're not in a field in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, it's, it's all those things. You've got to read through the spec. You've got to read through the, the sort of history of the project, why this this brand has come on board. Has it come on board just to rescue an, you know, an ailing an ailing development mm-hmm. or has it has it been there from the start? All these things you've got to look at and, and take advice on. It's interesting. I've gone from uh, having not thought about it in much depth and always been a bit kind of what I don't see the point of it. I'm, you know, I, I don't see myself as a as a target um, market or as a target audience or for this kind of product. And but now I'm beginning to see it. But I can, you know, and I can see that actually all the advantages for both the developer and and the and the uh, potential markets or the buyers mm-hmm. but also it does depend how it's done clearly because it can be quite cynical and not much uh, added a value added right through to cases where the like you said the heart and soul of the brand is in, is um, incorporated in the in the product and both yeah. in terms of the, the way it looks and the services and where and how everything's put together so yeah there can be but the trick there is if a brand does add value you've got to find the brands that are actually genuinely adding value to exactly because trust investment. me Trust me, because we're dealing with worldwide established brands, all the, everything is glitzy. The launches of these things, the parties I've been to launching these things have all, have all been amazing and all been world-class. But you can get seduced by a bit of razzmatazz. Um, <laughs> so you've got to, and you know, I've been, I went to two of these things recently where I, I oh, sit down for dinner and have this drink and have meet so-and-so. Mm. I, I, and I just wanted to ask questions. And the question was, mm. okay, where do I see your brand? What, you know, how have you, how, you know, and it was kind of like getting blood out of a stone because all they wanted to do was wine and wine and dime me. And maybe I'm just old and cynical, but I was like, let's cut through that crap. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk business. And, you know, where's the value of your brand in this product? And, and mm-hmm. some, some, in one occasion, I didn't even get an answer because they were so mm-hmm. busy trying to wine and dime me. So you've got to be sure that you're not getting seduced by the glamour of it all and that there is real substance to, to the offering. Um, because we can all get seduced. We all get seduced by show homes and fancy cars in showrooms and God knows what. That's life. You know, that's, you know, we are, we are seduced by good marketings, but you, you know, when you're spending a few million, you just got to keep your, keep your, keep your brain in gear. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. That's very interesting. And I'm glad to, you know, maybe we should have just dedicated the entire talk to Brandon Resin because I think there's plenty left to say. Uh, maybe we can have a follow-up. Um, there's bound to be a f- more of this. This is not going to go away. I think we're going to see more of this. So we can uh, re- review it and see how progress is going, how these things are selling. I don't know whether they're exactly. all just being launched or whether some have actually already sold out. And so maybe another in another time we can talk about not only the value they add on the, like, conceptually, but how these projects, uh, both in the primary and the secondary market, how well they sell off plan or under construction or yeah. in hand, and then what's the resale value? I mean, there's, Definitely. you know, there's a half an hour chat in that for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have a, we, you know, I, I, I have some of that information already. So happy to share that next time or, or further down okay. the line. We can, we can have a chat about yep. that. 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna contact Dolce Gabbana now and get your name down, Mark, for uh, for one of their penthouses. <laughs> yeah, Is that okay? Be on the waiting list. <laughs> deposit. I'll 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 transfer the deposit later. With a with a free pair of their skinny jeans. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sir, you have a, a great day. Thank you Thank as you. always. And I'll see you soon. Take care. Very good. Take care. Cheers. Bye bye.